Make us a favorite button on your browser. If you click it, you'll go to that page. TalkZone.com, your first choice for talk on the Internet. Let's return to All Things Employment with Vicki Causa on TalkZone.com. Welcome back. We're talking with Carol Celeste, HR professional on targeted selection and behavior interviewing. And before we took a break, I was going to tell you a little bit about a resume that I had seen in a previous uh, role that I had where a young lady was coming back into the workforce after having raised a family. And she had some work experience before having had her children, but really nothing relevant for position that she was trying to apply for. But her resume was done in such a creative way that we really and truly had to take the time to look at it and talk to this young lady about what it was she brought to the table because she mentioned things like negotiator, transportation expert, event planner, budget experience, all the things that she would have done as somebody raising a family and running a household. So when we got her in to talk with her, we asked her a little bit about it. So tell us about your budgeting experience. And she would say, well, you know, we're on a fixed income because my husband makes the next amount of money and we certainly have to make that stretch. And I've always been able to do that and still save money. And transportation, obviously, was the kids back and forth and scheduling their play date. So she really did have a lot of transferable skills that you don't normally think about when you think about yourself as a stay-at-home person or someone re-entering the workforce after quite a few years. But when you start to break down what you do to keep your life on track, not a whole lot different from what you would be doing in a corporate setting or in a business world. So there really certainly are some very transferable skills. And Carol, Celeste, and I were just talking about using some of those examples when you're asked a behavioral-based question, like tell me about a time you did X, Y, and Z, and you certainly can pull from some private information. You know, There certainly is a line that you never cross when you're talking interview and talking private information, but if you can make a point with your experience and how that experience relates, it's certainly to your to your favor, so I would certainly encourage people to definitely do that. So, Carol, let's talk a little bit to now. You know, we're in this interview, and you're asking these behavioral based questions, and you know, as the interviewer, you're you're you've got a, a probably even a tougher job than the interviewee because you're trying to jot down answers, you're trying to remember things that people are saying. How, as an interviewer or as a hiring manager, what's the best way that that their answers are being evaluated? How how are people keeping track of everything they're saying? Well, it's really a very simple formula. Um, many training programs, they, they've called it different things, but um, DDI um, used the acronym called STAR, S-T-A-R. Um, they listen, they're, they're suggesting that the, that the hiring manager listen to the candidate to describe the situation or the task that needed to be resolved. Um, what action did they take and then what were the results? And as a hiring manager, if you don't hear all three elements in their, in their response, um, then you want to go back and ask, you know, what was the role that they played in solving that problem? How did it end up? And so, you know, keeping in mind situation or task, action and result, um, you can always, um, if you're listening for those three pieces of the story, um, you know, you can be pretty sure that you're getting, um, you know, a full picture of how that candidate experience is relevant to the question that you've asked. And you know what, Carol, I think that absolutely fits very well with what we said before about the fact that, you know, employees don't have jobs. They have problems to solve. So if, in fact, you are 
somebody is asking questions and they're waiting for you to talk about how you how what the role you played in solving that problem was that absolutely gets you ready to be able to talk about your contributions and the way that your contributions were able to help solve whatever problem your former company was facing. So that's that's a great that's a great tool. And again, I think a lot of what we're talking about is is really new to our listeners, and I'm hoping they're getting as much out of it as, as we as they possibly can. So now let's talk a little bit about nuts and bolts. You know, people always say, well, what can I expect in an interview, and what kind of questions can I ask? So can you give our listeners some examples of maybe some behavioral based interview questions that you've either used in the past or you've experienced, or that really comes right out of the, 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 the manuals that managers are using? So a real easy one, um, particularly now with so many people looking for work, is um, tell me about your job search. You know, mm. What actions have you taken? Um, this will help the hiring manager get a bit of insight as to how motivated they are um, for looking for that next position, um, how disciplined is their approach, um, how resourceful are they, um, and what other companies have they considered? Um, do they have a plan, and are they working the plan, or are they just haphazardly going out there and hoping that something will, will hit? Um, another question might be giving me an example of um, being in a situation where things were not going well and you turned it around. What did you do? Um, why did you do that, and, and what was the outcome? This will give, um, again, the hiring manager some idea about their level of initiative and creativity and even a little bit of insight about what frustrates them. And if the scenario that they offer is rather routine based on your environment, um, it may tell you something about their adaptability. Um, I remember once I interviewed someone who, um, when I asked the question, um, they told me they were constantly being interrupted and that it was difficult for them to maintain their concentration. And so they put up a little sign at their desk indicating that they were deep in thought and they didn't want to be disturbed. So in some environments, you might say, well, that's understandable, that's creative, you know, that's taking the bull by the horns. But the candidate was interviewing for an administrative assistant role. So, you know, being interrupted is a regular part of that workday. And um, so while it did show some initiative and creativity, it was the wrong mindset for the role that I was hiring for. So clearly they were um, probably not cut out to work in the environment that, that we were um, trying to, to fill this position in. Because, you know, that would have just, that much stress, if you want to say, um, you know, would have put this person over the deep end. Well, you got to give her points for creativity, I would think, oh, <laughs> at least if absolutely. nothing else, putting up a sign like that. You know, I just want to go back to something you said, too. When, when in the beginning of an interview, if the manager is asking questions and trying to, you know, sort of find out about the, the basics of how people answer questions and how disciplined they may be, you know, people sometimes get put off when somebody says, so what are the companies have you been interviewing in? You know, is that necessarily, I mean, should people be put off by that or is it really just a question that managers ask just to get an idea or just to have put the person at ease so they can talk about their, what they've recently done? Well, I think sometimes it's conversational. Mm-hmm. I think that managers um, typically, you know, people in general, particularly in these economic times, really want to help each other. And so I think if they hear that they're, you know, they've met someone who's interviewing at a company where they may know somebody, maybe this job isn't the right one for them, but they may be willing to, you know, pull some strings and, and call somebody that, you know, they they know at that other company and say, hey, you know, I'm, I met so-and-so and they're interviewing for a position with your organization and while, you know, it wasn't really the right match for us, 
you know, I thought that they really had some great credentials, and I would really um, encourage you to spend some time talking with them. And that might be just the call that gets that resume from the bottom of the pile up to the top and, and lands that candidate at least an interview or phone screen. Well, I've got to tell you, that's a very, very helpful piece of information that, again, I don't think people would, would think about because I think the first reaction when somebody says, so what are the companies are you interviewing at? I think a candidate's first reaction in the back of their mind is, I wonder why they're asking this. So should I mention that I've been to their competition? Does it matter where I've been looking before? But the spin that you just put on it is probably, you know, a really very positive way for people to look at it. And hopefully our listeners will understand that, that it's not just about trying to find out about where you've been before or are you looking at our competition too. There may be other reasons, and you're right. There may be a benevolent manager out there who will say, gee, I know somebody at such and such a company. And put the word out for them. That's a great. That's a great tip, and hopefully people will get will get some really good vibes from that because that's something I don't think people think about. So we talked a little bit about some questions. Are there any other examples that you may have used, or anything that you've seen used in behavioral interviewing questions? Well, again, you know, talking about um, you know today's environment, I think more and more companies are being expected to do more with less people. Clearly, because there's been so many layoffs. Um, the environments generally are pretty stressful. And um, so in the past, they might say, you know, um, tell me how you've managed stress. Um, and, you know, a candidate would say, well, of course, I, I manage stress really well. Um, again, going back to that idea, well, I love working with people, you know, that would mm. be the ideal, you know, response to somebody who's going to be working with the public. But um, it really doesn't tell you anything. But if you phrase the question in a way that says, what kind of pressure do you feel at work or school if it's somebody that's right out of college? Their answer can give you a better sense of what's their barometer for stress. If being interrupted by a barking dog is stressful, it may not be the best candidate to work in an open office environment where everybody's up walking around and conducting hallway conversations all around them. If they tell you that, um, you know, they barely get one project done before they move on to the next and that's what causes them to feel stressed, well, you know, maybe they're not the best candidate for a job that has many changing priorities that, um, you know, it's, it's like rapid fire. Mm-hmm. Another one that I've used and, um, and I've been on the receiving end of is um, tell me about a relationship which was adversarial in the beginning and you were able to turn it around. What did you do? Um, you know, this is particularly helpful if you've got a candidate who you know is going to be working in, walking into a tough environment and trying to win some folks over. Maybe they're replacing somebody who, um, you know, was fired for a reason, and, mm. you know, everybody in that department loved that person, and now this outsider is coming in, and how are they going to, you know, embrace this, this new hire? Um, you know, it's going to take a bit of persuasiveness for that candidate to come in and kind of win those folks over. So you want to get a little bit more information about how they've been able to, if they have, work in an environment where, you know, maybe everybody wasn't as welcoming as they might be, how did they win those folks over? So really when, when a manager is asking specifics as opposed to how do you handle stress, you tell me what stress what stressors really, you know, kind of get you going. Again, it's really for the, the candidates to, to be able to really be honest at this point, but for the manager to make an assessment of whether or not this is going to be a good fit. So everything that the manager is asking really seems like it's falling into place. But I guess the question I would ask is this. I mean, it sounds like a long-term type of a process. It sounds, you know, lots of steps and lots of different layers. So if a manager is using this technique, it, this seems like it could really prolong an interview. I mean, is that do you see that as an issue or, or am I wrong with that? 
No, I think it is. It does make, um, you know, for a lengthy interview, no doubt about it. But I've been in interviews where, you know, we've talked for an hour and I've walked away thinking this person does not have enough information um, to make this decision. Um, but I, I think taking some time to plan up front and, um, and, and asking the right questions, I think, um, makes the time much more productive. You know, we've all heard stories about companies who, who take forever to make a decision, and the interview process takes weeks. Um, I recall one uh, company that I went back to uh, probably four times. Wow. But if they don't hire me this time, I'm going to send them a bill because I've <laughs> like five hours now. And I think, you know, it, when there's so many resumes to wade through and, and everybody has busy schedules, um, you know, if they have to bring that candidate back three and four times, Maybe it's because they are trying to figure out how that candidate differs from the uh, the rest. But by asking behavioral-based questions of all the candidates, you know you're getting an apples-to-apples apples comparison mm. of what's relevant to the job, and thus you're able to come back and make um, a better hiring decision. Um, and again, we talked about this before, but we all know it's much better to spend a little bit more time up front making informed decisions rather than spending weeks or even months and lots of legal um, expenses recovering from a bad hire. So, um, you know, I would say, you know, you pay at the front end or you pay at the back end, and usually at the back end it's, it's a bigger price tag. Yeah, we've seen that definitely. And I think, I think companies shy away from that or try so hard to avoid that. And, you know, I think you also brought up an excellent point for people who have been brought back time and time again from different, to, to do companies for an interview with a different person in the group or somebody else's boss or somebody else's subordinate that they may be working for. And I think hopefully folks that are listening are getting an insight into exactly why that happens. It's not just because they have forgotten to call you back or they want to ask you one more thing. It's part of the process that if a Again, if a company does it correctly and if the hiring team does it correctly, there is a science to how they're going to go about making these decisions and calling people in and comparing one candidate to the next. So I, I think that's pretty insightful. So let's talk about the, the tough thing there, the legal piece. You know, we, you know, you and I have both been in, in HR for quite a while, and we've seen many, many cases where legal had to step in because of some things that had happened. You know, tell us a little bit about, you know, what your, your feelings are, what you've seen with questions that might have been asked in an interview or a bad hire, as you say. Tell us a little bit about that, Carol, because I think that's something, again, that people don't know enough about. Well, you know, I think today in this environment, again, candidates are hearing no so much, um, they start to take it very personal. And, you know, if you go to, to the job fairs, you go to the unemployment office, um, you go to any networking events, you know that the competition is tough. Um, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are very qualified, that are looking for work, and that's a great thing for managers, the hiring managers. Um, you know, there's a lot of great talent to choose from. But if you're the candidate and you've been out of work for a long time, it, it starts to feel like the world is against you. And, you know, as months go by, you know, you, you really, you know, you, you, you know that the emotional roller coaster that you're on, you know, really goes up and down. But as a hiring manager, um, you really want to represent your company um, as, as in the best light possible and ask questions that are in no way potentially discriminating to the candidate. You don't want to lead them on, but you want to make sure that, um, you know, that you don't give them any reason to feel that they haven't been given an opportunity to really share their story and, and talk about the qualifications that they have. So by asking generally the same questions of every candidate, 
and keeping good notes on a separate sheet of paper, not on the resume, um, and evaluating each candidate's response against what you know are relevant competencies for the job, you can minimize the risk of someone claiming discrimination. You're never going to be 100% certain that you won't get sued, but you can reduce the chance of that happening, um, and certainly you'll be in a better place if the EEOC does keep calling because you've focused on competencies and questions you know are job-related, you've kept your notes specific to that, and everyone involved in the process has done the same thing. Well, Carolyn, one quick thing here, too. You mentioned not writing on the resume. Now, I've been in interviews. I've been interviewed by people who do jot on, on my resume, and I've seen managers do the same thing. So tell us why you would advise against that. Well, first of all, the resume is something that you're going to hang on to, and maybe this person isn't the one for this job. Um, but later, another opportunity comes up, and the next hiring manager goes back to that recruiting group and says, give me, who do we have in our database um, that might be suitable for this position? And if your notes are on there that are um, specific to the job that you're recruiting for, it may, um, you know, um, influence the, the next person who's looking at that resume and say, well, gosh, if, if they wrote down, you know, um, not necessarily good under pressure, well, that person may not even get a chance to be reviewed by the next manager who has a job that they could be ideal for. So, um, you know, the resume should be kept pretty clear of, of um, you know, personal notes on the, on the interview process. Um, you really should keep those on a separate sheet of paper. You can attach them, certainly. But um, we want to keep from writing on the resume um, just so that you don't unduly influence the next person who comes along and wants to look at that, that candidate. So would you suggest even – so say, for instance, you know, a, a candidate is coming in and there's five or six of us who are interviewing. We've all got copies of the resume. So even if you have your own personal copy, would you advise against somebody jotting information on the person's resume, per se? I would, just to be on the mm -hmm. safe side. Um, you know, I know that, that the, the scenario you've described preserves the original, and that's mm -hmm. what's going to be hung on to. But, you know, I, I've always been um, trained to um, keep your notes separate from the resume. Yeah, I, you know, I think that's an excellent point, and I think there's lots of reasons why you don't want to write on the resume and or you want to make sure you're asking questions that are pertinent and that you're keeping excellent notes. On the, We're going to take a break, but on, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, why it's so important for companies to keep good notes and also what happens to that resume once a, a job is either filled or the candidate is no longer a viable candidate. So stay tuned. Come on back. We'll be back right after the break. We're listening to All Things Employment on TalkZone.com. 